Contracting Officer Podcast. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Today's episode is sponsored by the Government Contract Pricing Summit, a groundbreaking pricing event bringing together government and industry. If you're planning to attend any conference this year, this is the event you really should consider. The GCP Summit runs from June 21st to June 23rd in San Diego. You should definitely be there. Be outstanding training and workshops. Be able to learn from top experts from both government and industry. You'll be able to connect with like-minded peers, earn continuing professional education credits. Plus, you can participate in a special podcast that we're going to be doing live from the GCP Summit. They're also offering a special rate for podcast listeners. Visit gcpsummit.com slash podcast to find out about the savings and see the list of great speakers that they've put together for the event. This is a limited time offer, so check out gcpsummit.com slash podcast today. This episode is about pre-award surveys, sort of a companion to our what is a contractor responsibility determination episode. Let's get started. So we're still talking about responsibility determinations, right? Yeah, we are. And this is the context of a pre-award survey. So the, the story is the government has decided to award to Bob's House of Widgets. We'll call them BHOW because you know, why not? That's just funny. But the contracting officer, their spidey senses are tingling a bit. They're like, I'm not really sure about BHOW. I found some information and I think they have some less than awesome past performance, but I'm not really finding a whole lot on Google. Their website's pretty empty. Um, but despite BHOW's president telling us that, yeah, this will be fine, I'm not really comfortable. So what am I to do as a contracting officer? Well, enter the pre-award survey. Is While it's not simple and it's not, not cheap, I mean, this takes effort, the pre-award survey is, is another tool that the contracting officer has to help him or her be confident that the award they're about to make is not going to have to be done twice. Right. Remember, this is a requirement in the FAR that a contracting officer has to make a determination that a contractor is responsible before they award a contract. And there's a whole other podcast about that. Correct. A pre-award survey is a tool to get to that responsibility determination. Before we get any deeper, let's say thanks real quick. This week, I want to say thank you to John Brem, I think is how you pronounce it, and Kathy Dixon for joining the Contracting Officer Podcast Network on LinkedIn. We're up over, I think, 650 people. It's pretty cool that we're getting great feedback on the podcast through that group. What is a pre-award survey? This is The definition is really simple. It's, it's an evaluation of a prospective contractor's capability to perform a proposed contract. So it's a an more in-depth way of studying whether or not a contractor can be deemed responsible. It's actually in FAR 9.106.9106 gives you all the rules for pre-award surveys. First, there's some conditions. These It's not encouraged, right? The first thing that the FAR wants the contracting officers to do is to use all the information that's readily available to make a determination. If that information isn't enough – then, and only then, do you consider moving on to a pre-award survey. And you shouldn't use them for fixed-price contracts that are below simplified acquisition threshold. Which or, we have a cast for that too, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Uh, shouldn't be used for FAR Part 12 commercial acquisitions unless the circumstances justify the cost of doing it. So you really – this has got to be something critical to justify going through all, all the pain of what a pre-award survey can be for, for both sides. 
So even if you don't do a pre-award survey, the FAR still says that when an ACO, or I I guess anyone, becomes aware that a prospective contractor, that the award is going to be to a contractor, that there's some unfavorable information out there about it, that ACO needs to tell the contracting officer as soon as possible about it, even if there's no formal request for a a pre-award survey. And that makes sense. That's just good communication. And it actually also says, first make sure the prospective contractor is not debarred, suspended, or ineligible. Okay, that's no kidding. <laughs> but I mean, it's, that, right. that's well if, if done. If they can't right? get an award, don't waste the time seeing if they're responsible. <laughs> exactly. There's another reason why they can't get it right. You, you don't need to double check if they're debarred. So how does a pre-award survey happen? Well, the contracting officer requests that someone, the ACO usually. Or, or they, the, it, the FAR refers to this this mythical person as the surveying activity. Okay. So the agency is probably going to have different people. For the Department of Defense, it is going to be the Defense Contract Management Agency. So that's the person that conducts the survey. Okay, I get that. So it happens. Huh, imagine this. There's a form for how you request a pre-award survey. It says it's a standard form 1403, SF1403. And this form makes sure that this surveying activity, that the person that's going to do the pre-award survey knows what information they're supposed to be looking for because it's not always, you know, look at everything. There might be only one factor that the contracting officer is concerned about that needs somebody to really dig into. So that you take the SF-1403, if you're the CO, and you fill out what factors you want information about. You give the surveying activity the complete solicitation package. You give them any information you have about previous unsatisfactory performance that might be driving the need for the survey so they know what to look into that. <laughs> I like this part. It One block on the form says whether or not the contracting officer will participate in the survey. So you get to tell them whether or not you're going to help. <laughs> <laughs> it also has a, a due date, the date that the report is required uh, back to the CO. And uh, it says be sure that you give them enough time. Make sure that the date is consistent with the scope of the survey, with you know the amount of information you're asking for. And it says normally takes at least seven working days to conduct the survey. So maybe... It only takes seven days to do yeah, the survey. I can't imagine it getting done I've that fast. I've never heard of one being actually completed that quickly. It might take seven working days to do the survey part of it, but part of it's waiting in line for you know manpower to be able to do a survey. And my favorite part of this is the last one. It says, when appropriate, limit the scope of the survey. And this is a foot stomper because it's not like you're saying, hey, is this company responsible in any area? You, you kind of alluded to that before. But if you treat this more like a scalpel, than a broadsword, it's going to be more effective. If you talk to the idea of, I'm concerned about their ability to get funding to buy this new facility they're going to need, or I'm concerned about their ability to recruit these employees, like some specific thing, or I'm I'm concerned about their ability to recruit these employees in the DC area, you know that kind of stuff. They'll get done faster and and they'll be more clear. It's you know it's that whole tell them exactly what you want and you're going to get a better result. The ones I've seen in the past sometimes, like the one, I didn't know this as well, right? The one time that I did one, I think I, I threw too wide of a net and it took longer than it should have. So there's a lesson that I wanted to share. Again, there. this is another point of the FAR, trying to get people not to do this unless they really, really need it. When the pre-award survey is complete, imagine this, there's more forms. So <laughs> it, the, the person that's doing the survey actually has forms that they can use to return the information to the CO. And there's a whole slew of different forms, whether they're looking at 
technical capabilities, production capabilities, the financial capability of a company, uh, looking at their accounting system, there's different forms. And it also requires that there's some type of narrative discussion that supports the evaluation ratings and the recommendations uh, from the, the surveying activity. Yeah, it makes it pretty simple that you have six different forms to pick from, which goes back to that idea of using a scalpel. Is instead of using all six, pick you know part of the one that you need just to answer your specific question about a company. So, if the pre award survey actually discloses some unsatisfactory performance on previous work, the surveyor the person that's weird. <laughs> well, it's accurate. It's a surveyor. It is. It just seems weird to say. It's not a land surveyor, but yes, they're still a surveyor. Right. That person (laughs) has to specify the extent of the contractor's corrective actions plans. What what have they done or what do they plan to do so that that unsatisfactory performance doesn't reoccur? One of the funny things about past performance in pre-award surveys is that the guilty until proven innocent concept applies here. It actually says... Lack of evidence that past failure to meet contractual requirements was the prospective contractor's fault does not necessarily indicate satisfactory performance. And that's kind of a a tongue twister. There's double negatives or or something in there that makes it weird. But (laughs) yeah, just because you can't prove that it's all their fault doesn't mean that they're innocent. Yeah, which is kind of backwards. That's Yeah, anyway, (laughs) I pulled that one out because it really caught my eye. The rest of the pre-award survey, they're looking for for patterns of behavior, right? Well, maybe one failure isn't a bad thing, but a pattern of things going wrong is something that the pre-award survey would show up and report back to the contracting officer. And if nothing dicey shows up in this whole process, then the uh, surveyor, we're calling them, can just do a short form of the pre-award survey, which is in that SF-1403. So we, they can, wow, we can keep it simple. efficiency built into the process. <gasps> Shocking. <laughs> Embrace it. So let's get to why this is important. The government, the contracting officer in particular, is required to do a responsibility determination before awarding the contract to a new contractor. Or any contractor, even an existing contractor. Sometimes there's just not enough information known about a contractor to make that determination and responsibility easy. A pre-award survey lets the government officially dive in deeper and kind of audit a contractor before a contract is awarded. It's another tool in the toolbox to be able to make that determination. So government folks, the important thing to know here is that you shouldn't take pre-award surveys lightly. The FAR in several different places encourages you to use it sort of as a last resort when you need that extra information. It takes time, adds time to the process, costs both sides money to, to do this stuff. Kind of reminds me of the feeling we had on the certified cost and pricing data. It says, here's all the reasons not to use it. But when you do, here's how it works. Well, it's, I kind of get that same feeling here. It's like, okay, don't just use these willy-nilly, but if you really need them, here is a tool. Yeah, one of the big reasons is it, 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 it takes manpower. And if this yeah. is done, particularly by DCAA, there's only so many auditors in DCAA. Mm-hmm. If every new contract needed a pre-award survey, they'd never get to them. On the industry side, why should you care? You're essentially being audited. It's like an audit. If you don't pass it, you can't get the award, even even if you're the best proposal, if you're the most highly evaluated, best value, lowest price, whatever the criteria for award, they want to award to you. They're about to. 
But if you can't get through a pre-award survey, you're not going to get the award because you're not going to be deemed responsible. So it's important. Take it seriously. (laughs) That's a good, that's kind of a public service announcement. But yeah, you're absolutely right that you could have made it through the whole process, you know, the 80% process, all that, and this blows up in your face. And so contractor responsibility is a big deal. And when contracting officers do it wrong and get nasty grams from their supervisors about, why did you give this guy a contract? You should have done a pre-award survey. This is how it happens. Again, I'm raising my hand. Okay, before we wrap it up, this is a reputation thing. This is something where your reputation as a company can actually haunt you. You may be perfectly responsible, but if something unorthodox, maybe that's not the right word, but if something strange has happened and your reputation takes a hit, you might see pre-award surveys coming your way. And think of this as 20% of the 80-20 rule, just 20% relationship is if your your brand, your, your like you said, your reputation is tainted in some way, that's the kind of stuff that'll push the contracting officer from, hmm, Google search was enough, I didn't see anything bad, LinkedIn looks pretty good, you know, uh, Dun & Bradstreet looks fine, to, hmm, I'm finding a lot of nasty things about them when I do a Google search, maybe I should do a pre-award survey. That's, so that's the, the, the reputation part, the, the relationship part. So like we, like we just mentioned, you may do great on the process, but have a crappy reputation, which is why you could end up with one of these, and then this could cost you the contract. So be aware of your brand and your market and your reputation and your CPARs and all those fun things. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to summarize it. So that's what pre-award surveys are and how they're accomplished. Don't forget, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. There's also a government contracting network group on Facebook where you can join us. Also remember that most of our topics come from listeners. If you have an idea for a topic, send me a note at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. And if you need help in the government market, go to skywayacquisition.com. Skyway is here to help you. We're a team of former contracting officers, and we help you know more, do more, and win more in this government market. And we'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. It doesn't necessarily mean that they did okay. I was doing so good till the end. And there's a lawnmower in the background. How many of this mowing goes on in this place?